the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download that app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, and get ad free exclusive content at your fingertips. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, and get 40% off that first year subscription. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy wildcard weekend. Not totally done yet. I'm recording this at 8 p.m. Eastern Sunday. Just finished the Cowboys game. And it felt like the right time to sit down in front of a microphone because, uh, you know, I, uh, I generally go to Twitter, put some facts out, let, let things percolate a little bit. And the second I started to push out the Cowboys stuff, you kind of understand that there's going to be some backlash and some what ifs and some projections and... I just wanted to speak to it here. Seemed like the right way to open up this show. Speaking of which, after I'm done rambling here, back end of the show is Courtney Cronin, the ESPN.com Vikings reporter. In-depth stuff for this offseason. One of the more polarizing teams we have. We did the Browns last week. I'm going to continue these this series as much as possible, with, especially with the teams that weren't playoff eligible, who have significant question marks starting at the quarterback and trickling down. That is certainly what the Vikings are with the Kirk Cousins situation and entering the final year of his contract, a big time cap hit. Something's going to give there. Courtney's got some thoughts on what that may be and what it might mean for the rest of the roster. And oh, by the way, is something else not Vikings related in play that could trigger how the Vikings operate? Obviously, there's coaching, a coaching slot and a GM slot to fill there, but there may be something, an ancillary entity that triggers which direction Minnesota goes. So it's a really interesting conversation I had with her at the back end of this show. All right, Dallas. Out in one. We've seen this uh, movie before. And generally when we finish this movie and Dallas heads to the offseason, the the Twitter sphere blows up with how do we change everything? And I just want to say off the top, (laughs) if you're diving in here to rip up this roster and start over because you're a diehard Cowboys fan or you just prefer when they're relevant. I don't see that being the case for a lot of reasons, for contract structure reasons, for the fact that that's not going to make them necessarily better immediately. And there's probably a different way to do this. Uh, Do I think there's a significant change? I do. I have a feeling and look, it's not Jerry Jones' style. But I have a feeling there's going to have to be a fall guy here. And you can say the penalties were user error, human error, referees error. There's going to be plenty of spin on that. But that to me is coaching. And between time management and the, the undisciplined stuff, that's coaching. We've had that all year with this team. And there's been a lot of needing to light the fire under Dak, which I feel like didn't happen for three quarters in this one. But it's coaching to me and they, they essentially have a head coach sitting there on that sideline and maybe another one in the booth in Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. Certainly two names that are at the top of a lot of other teams lists right now. I have a feeling Denver would hire Dan Quinn tomorrow if they could based on what we've read in those tea leaves. So you, you have the replacements in my opinion, right there. Is it time? Probably not. Mike McCarthy probably deserves a, t- a twinge better. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm not anti-Mike McCarthy, but I feel like we've seen this story so many times, unfortunately. And if there's going to be a fall guy, it's not going to be Dak, 
brand new contract, almost fully guaranteed. And those of you who want Zeke gone, I'll get to it. And maybe that's not even enough for you, right? Maybe we've got to blow more than that up. But I have a feeling that the McCarthy stuff's going to get real. And if that starts to have momentum and Jerry gets wind of that and his own thoughts plus internal thoughts with the organization plus whatever happens from outside pressure, we know how that works. That's just the, the sports life that we live. So to me, that's the move here. It's not blow up this roster. And I can't even give you a, a list of notable free agents that says, all right, well, they're going to have enough change. In my opinion, Michael Gallup has already been replaced. And Cedric Wilson is up for a contract. So there's some room to be done there. But that's a guy that uh, is going to step in and get tons of targets. Dak Prescott apparently likes what he sees there. So you can pay Cedric Wilson as a as a WR3 a heck of a lot cheaper than what Michael Gallup's looking to get, you know, injury notwithstanding. He's going to hit the open market and be looking for Allen Robinson money, 17-18 out there to be somebody's WR2, possible WR1, depending on where he ends up. So I think that one's just a, a, an X-off, in my opinion. That's going to happen. You know, defensive line stuff, Randy Gregory, do you let him walk? He had a terrible night penalty-wise. He has made an impact, and he's only 29. This is a, you know, a career resuscitation story in terms of what he and Dallas have gone through over the past couple of years with all the suspensions and the, the missed time. And he seems to be on track in that regard. So do you cut bait at this point or do you kind of let this thing ride out for one more year? It shouldn't be a gigantic number to bring back and you can structure that as needed with Boyd years if you need to. I, I like that move as well. Connor Williams to me is the interesting one because that offensive line has been suspect for a lot of reasons. Injuries being the biggest one. Tyron Smith, you know, the notable one on the left side of that line. Tyron's under contract for a bunch of years here. The guarantees have long fallen by the wayside, but... He's, uh, he's also heavily underpaid in terms of what those left tackles make now. He's 31 years old. There's two more years left, about $27 million on that sucker. Th- talking $13.5 million a year. Look, the, the biggest left tackles in football are making $24 million a year, 23 and change right now. So um, at some point, he's going to say, look, if I'm coming back here on a, on a full go, we're going to have to rip this up, start over, and get me on a, on a higher paycheck. So it's possible you can do that and lower that cap hit in 2022, which is something that could work for both sides. I would expect that to happen. But the Connor Williams stuff is interesting because he did not enter 2022, 2021 as a starter. He took some time off with injury. And when he was when he was out, he was missed. And it's as easy as that. So he's, he's about to hit free agency. He's 24 years old. I don't think there were major plans to re-sign him to start the year. And in my opinion, you probably have to. Um, you know whether there's some right side of the of the uh, of the line movement. To me, that's the biggest up, upgrade that has to get made here. You know, your your CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, or viable WR three can kind of fill in the blanks from a weapon standpoint. It's going to look good. Uh, you know, Zeke and Pollard are going to be back for one more year together, in my opinion. I'll get to that in a second, like I mentioned. And the tight end stuff should also cross itself out cancel itself out similar to what I was talking about before. So yes, Dalton Schultz is up and he's a notable free agent to me. He's a franchise tag with a small extension coming after that. And you release Blake Jarwin out of his contract, which has been a a nightmare from an injury standpoint. You can free yourself over 6 million to cut Blake Jarwin. And that should be plenty for that first year cap hit for, for Dalton Schultz. So Schultz Schultz is on a Hunter Henry kind of projection right now, 12 and a half plus per year. So you're going four for over 50, in my opinion, two of that fully guaranteed at about 12 and a half change. So 
it's a sizable contract, but it's a normal, it's going to be a normal starting tight end contract and you have to do it. Tight end's huge to this offense, gigantic. There's clear chemistry between Schultz and, and Prescott. You don't want to screw around with that. Like I said, we're not ripping off band-aids here. In fact, we're bringing back more than we're letting go based on my projections. So there's a lot to do there. Um, but that's really it. That's really it in terms of notable guys who are up for contracts. So let's start, let's start subtracting some pieces if we have to. And I mentioned I'd get to Zeke because I know that's going to be the big one. We've seen a lot of Pollard. We've seen a lot of good from Pollard, but it's been a good second half for Zeke Elliott, you know, and I understand that the contract is an obstacle for him because he cannot outrun that thing, <laughs> nor has anyone, uh, you know, in the top five paid running backs been able to do that on a consistent basis. You're going to have your good weeks and your bad weeks. And whenever your bad weeks come in, everybody stares at 15 million a year and says, how the hell is this guy in this contract? And I, it's understandable. That's the nature of what we're doing here. Technically speaking, the potential out I have for Zeke is after 2022. So one more year. Why? Dead cap. There's been, there's been a restructure, a sizable restructure this past season that added more juice to that situation this next year and then forward. 2022 is already fully guaranteed. That happened last March. So the 12.4 million is already locked in. Now they can restructure that. They probably will restructure that to clear that $18 million cap hit down to about nine just to help all these other causes we're talking about. But obviously that's going to make the dead cap in 2023 more painful. In my opinion, it's worth it. The cap should soar in 2023. You're talking, you know, 15 million dead cap. You could post June 1st that if you have to, you could just take it on. We just saw the Eagles make the playoffs with a $33.4 million dead cap hit for Carson Wentz. So it's within reason that those kind of things are not destroying your years anymore, especially with how this cap is now expected to, to boost, like I mentioned. So to me, Zeke's a restructure candidate. He's not a cut candidate. The only cap flexible move you have with him, not keeping him, is to trade him after June 1st. You can clear the 12 and a half, 12.4 million by doing that because that fully guaranteed salary transfers out. You take the current dead cap plus everything else going into 2023 and there's a viable way to do that. It's possible that happens. I'm not going to sit here and say June 2nd that you know the Miami Dolphins still haven't addressed their running back situation and are calling for Zeke. I'm not going to say that, but nor will I say that if a a team has an injury, you know, mini camp, early in training camp, that Zeke's contract isn't tradable at that point. It is, it is, and Pollard is probably ready, more than ready to take over that RB one role. But it's not likely, in my opinion, that anything but Zeke plus Pollard comes back in 22. They should both be back in this roster. I think the weapons were just right for this Cowboys offense that was inconsistent. And maybe part of that was just Dak not getting back into full shape, you know, as quickly as Dallas needed him to be. So did we write that off and say, let's just reboot this thing? Maybe Kellen Moore is the head coach next year and he's got a better handle on how to, how to start the year with this offense in mind. And that maybe that's a bigger positive. So I, I you know, there was a part of me this time last year that thought Amari Cooper was going to be one and done in Dallas and that his contract would be by the wayside at this point. I think he was too valuable this year. He, he stayed relatively healthy, um, you know, ins, ins and outs. You're going to have that with him, but he played 15 games, 15 out of 17 games, 68% of the snaps. So almost 70 catches, 860 yards, but eight touchdowns. And that has been his thing. You know, not eye popping yardage, not eye popping catches, not a hundred catch guy. Never has been. His high was 92 last year, in fact. But this guy finds the end zone. 
And when you have that kind of talent, that was Terrell Owens back in the day, by the way. When you have that kind of talent, that's worth $20 million a year. In a, in a situation where wide receivers are now about to make 28, if we think about where Devontae Adams might be going and Cooper Cup on a redo and Stefan Diggs at some point. So there's a little bit of value in his contract. They did not restructure him this past year. My thinking was they thought exactly what I was thinking. If we have to get out of this contract, let's leave it alone and give ourselves a really big out after 2021. And we'll have Lamb and we can re-sign Gallup with the, with the cap saved and we can go from there. That's not, in my opinion, where they are right now. I think Amari Cooper sticks. They restructure that $20 million base salary, clear a ton of cap space in that regard. And now between Zeke and Amari's restructure and and one you can do with Dak Prescott as well, those three big, the big three can probably clear enough space to get you at least in a comfortable setting heading toward March. Not not good. Not, not ability to go out there and be, you know, be monsters in free agency, but it's a good starting point because they're under right now. They're minus 13 for me in terms of projection cap. And uh, they've got work to do. But like I said, there's three contracts sitting right there that you can do some damage on. You can extend Tyron Smith and lower that cap hit. Uh, you can release Jarwin and bring Schultz back on a, on a cap neutral situation, in my opinion. And then you got to go small with Cedric Wilson and hope he comes back and, uh, and wants to be a factor in the, in the offense next year. Okay. In other words, long story short, <laughs> uh, it's not a rip the bandit off situation, even though I know the media is going to go that route because this is the Cowboys and they are relevant 365, 12 months a year. Um, this is a bad loss. This was an ugly loss, self-induced in a lot, in a lot of cases. Dak didn't play up to snuff all year, in my opinion, even though 4,400 yards, you know, good touchdown and interception ratio, typical Dak stuff, but just didn't seem to have that magic that he had a couple of years back before the injury. I, I do think because he's obviously not going anywhere. I do think keeping Kelly Moore in this, on this team in some capacity, whether it's a, a massive pay raise to, be, to, get, to remain the offensive coordinator or you give him the keys to this head coaching gig right now, I think that is probably best case scenario for this roster in keeping the glue they have and improving on that. And like I said, getting off to a better start in September versus... Let's step all the way back, start this thing over, try to rebuild around Dak in, in as many places as possible because we're overreacting to a situation that I think most of us were assuming was about to happen, which was San Francisco had probably had a little bit more talent right now and a little bit more momentum, and they probably were the, were the team that should have won this game. It's pretty easy to, to get yourself to that point, in my opinion. So I'm not going to overreact to Dallas. And like I said, from a, from a roster standpoint, it's a couple of moves here and there. Two moves cancel each other out. That makes life easy on you. And that's a couple of restructures, a couple of small re-sign backs. Go do some damage in free agency. You've got a decent amount of, of top five round picks to, to keep that going if you have, have to bolster your defensive line and your offensive line, which is exactly where I would focus that. And we'll see what happens after that. All right, let's dive even deeper into the NFL offseason with Courtney Cronin and the Minnesota Vikings. Thrilled to be joined by the Minnesota Vikings reporter for ESPN.com. And you can hear her on ESPN radio and a variety of channels. Courtney Cronin, thanks so much for joining the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. It's a, it's a polarizing time for the Minnesota Vikings. And I want to start with this question. It's the hardest question. And it's not the Kirk Cousins question. <laughs> um, the Packers could be going down. Big time down. Yeah. I mean, there's a real chance mm -hmm. that this is the one time I'm, I'm Buffalo based and, 
you know, when Tom Brady left, <laughs> there was like, there was like this aura locally of, oh my gosh, what do we do now? How, you know, shouldn't we do everything right now to try to become an actual franchise in the AFC East? That's kind of what I think Minnesota could be, could be having with this Aaron Rodgers situation, at least rumored. And yet I look at this roster, I look at the salary cap situation. I look at the Kirk Cousins situation, and I'm not sure there's a path forward to really take that next step. Is that the feeling that, that Minnesota has, has right now, or is it a little bit more optimistic? Well, I think that when you look at the openings for GM and head coach and compare where Minnesota stands to the rest of the league, especially other places that have both open, like Chicago and, and New York, it has to be at the top of the list, not just because of what they currently have on the roster and, and the resources you know that ownership is, is willing to throw at everything to make this team successful and get them out of the middle. It, it's exactly what you said with Aaron Rodgers potentially soon leaving the division. If he doesn't resign in Green Bay, I think Minnesota is easily the number one team in the division in 2022. And that's like a long, that's kind of like the long-term thing that you'd look at if you were debating whether to take this job as a GM or a head coach, like sure in the short term, that would be pay big dividends, but like for you to have long-term success in this division and potentially become what the Packers have meant to the NFC North for the last decade plus, like that's a big, big draw, but you know, the Kirk Cousins contract situation right now and, you know, other veterans who are, aging and um, you know how expensive their contracts are and thinking okay how different is this team going to look in 2022 that's probably the where like some of the pessimism is around the Vikings for this fan base of well you know financially how strapped are they going to be how is it going to affect them in free agency but I do think that just kind of given all of the things that this team could be and how you get leadership in the right group in to move this team out of it's, you know, space of mediocrity that it's been in the last couple of years. There are a lot of people who look at that and say, yeah, Minnesota is the best job for, for those reasons that we just listed and that there is reason to be optimistic about the future. Maybe it's not immediate in 2022, but beyond that, the next couple of years should look a lot better than the last two. I think that's right. You know, and it's easy to kind of compare to the Bears situation. Uh, very different quarterback situation, but obviously they're going to change the entire front office and, and coaching staff as well. Uh, if you had to compare those two, it's a no-brainer, right? This Minnesota team is just, oh, yeah. you know, more experienced, has a little bit more pedigree, and, and quite frankly, and I'm sure you've started to do this kind of work in the offseason here, it's all about the defense. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here starting to write some of these offseason pieces and all the notable free agents, all the the extraneous cap hits, you know, outside of Kirk Cousins are defensive. I mean, the entire secondary essentially could go here outside of Harrison Smith. And and yet, you know, there's some decent draft capital, but not much cap space right now. So if I had to play GM and I'll throw this back to you, the easy answer is just restructure Kirk Cousins, push a couple of years out like you did three years ago and start to add some defensive pieces via the draft and via free agency. Is it that easy? You Well, to, to answer the first part of your question and comparing where the Vikings are to the Bears and those openings, the immediate answer is Minnesota's the much better spot. The, Vic, the Bears have two draft picks in the <laughs> That's top right. four rounds. Um, and when we talk about defensive players who are not going to be on that team anymore, all of the, the decisions that they're going to have to make with – you know, Khalil Mack and, and what his deal is in 2022. Akeem Hicks is a free agent. He's right. probably gone. 
who knows, like, you know, what happens with Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. Like, I just, I, I think about their situation and it's really, really tenuous. But, you know, in terms of Minnesota's roster and how different this defense can look next year, I think it's pretty vast. And there are a lot of things that they have to do on the defensive side of the ball as far as contracts that need to be decided to figure out what direction does this defense go? Like, can you solve this parts of it in free agency or do you just have to use majority of the 12 draft picks that you have in 2022 on the defensive side? Like you mentioned Harrison Smith and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just in a different camp on this guy is 32 years old That's right? and, and they gave him an absurd contract, a contract that kind of screamed, like, um, you know, like a, like a dying person giving away their possessions <laughs> when, when Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, you know, collectively kind of like paid the, like, you know, paid it forward with the loyalty aspect of Harrison Smith last year. And he's, he's got a huge cap hit in, in 2022, which if I'm walking in here as a GM and I see that Harrison Smith's on the roster and has a $13.5 million cap hit next year, I'm probably saying, thank you for your service. We appreciate all that you've done here since, he was drafted in 2011. Um, they've got to move on. I think that they absolutely have to like tr- start trimming parts of this roster and like have to make really hard calls here defensively because there's so many staples of your franchise that you might be moving on from. Daniil Hunter's a prime example of that too. He's got the $18 million player option, um, and but he's played seven games in two years. So what do you do there? Like I know that like the Wilfs have been adamant that the Vikings are not in a rebuild and I, and I do believe that they aren't too far away from being really good but the defensive rebuilt re- retooling reboots whatever you want to call it that they tried to do last year failed and it failed epically because they were 31st uh, in defense last year collectively and then all of the areas they did not get better at like again like against the run they were awful and you think about the amount of money that they spent on Michael Pierce what they spent on Dalvin Tomlinson that didn't really help matters so like how do you get better in those areas those are going to be the primary questions the GM is going to have to have to answer when he gets here like and we know that you know Anthony Barr probably not back next year you know he had he restructured his contract last year to be able to bet on himself in free agency in 2022 and I just can't see with you know, what he was paid this year and all that they were not able to get out of him because of the knee injury that he had, that they'd want to be bringing him back unless it was back at some, you know, pretty, you know, pretty substantially lower uh, salary than what he was getting last year when he restructured the deal. But this defense, you know, has been the cornerstone of this franchise for so long that I do wonder when they bring in a different head coach is that still the vision for this team? It just doesn't feel like that's going to be the case considering where the NFL is trending and how things move forward from here with a new, you're going to have a brand new defensive scheme too. That's right. And that's a really good point because there's a lot of new heads, a lot of new voices, a lot of new brains coming in here and it's not going to be the same old Vikings, no matter how hard they try. But look, Mm -hmm. I got to stay in this defense with you. I'm I've done some work on this and you've done more work. And I think collectively here, I'm at like, nine defensive starters that are at least bubble players right now or already pending yeah. free agents. I mean, you can say this isn't going to be a rebuild. It has to be. <laughs> it has no. to be, whether it's on the fly or not. I mean, Sheldon Richardson, Barr, Peterson, Harrison Smith on the bubble. I agree with you there. Xavier Woods, you know, who knows with Everson Griffin, who knows with Daniel Hunter. He, I, I'm not sure you can trade either of those contracts right now. There's, 
there's so many what ifs here. And it's, yeah. it's not, you know, these guys are, these guys are going to get us third, fourth round picks back that we can then use to retool on the fly. It's not that easy. This is, there's a lot of dead weight here, unfortunately, um, yeah. that you're right. Translated to the 31st defense in the league last year, which is, you know, and even worse from a padding passing perspective. So you're going to need eight, nine bodies somewhere next year just to get back on the field. And a hundred percent, the passing, the pass yeah. defense, like you mentioned, I just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. Like Patrick Peterson has, has hinted he wants to come back here. You know, they, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm not the first to say this. They way overpaid for him yeah. last year and they didn't have to. And so I'm wondering in Patrick Peterson's mind, he still probably thinks he's an elite you know, top 10, top 15 corner that should maybe be making $8 million a year on a one-year deal. I don't think that's probably the smartest play for Patrick Peterson at this point of his career. So if he's gone, if he, if you let him walk in free agency, you've got Cam Dantzler, Chris Boyd, Harrison Hand, and Cam Bynum, like at your cornerback position. Oh my God. Like this is, this is, you know, every year, Mike Zimmer, we'd always kind of joke about his just one more philosophy with corners. Like, that's again, that's where they're going to have to like put a lot of resources in for free agents or, you know, if they can get people in the draft too, because I mean, just there's, there's just not a lot of carryover that you can be confident is going to contend for start, like starting positions next year and actually be any good with, with the DBs that you have. I mean, on the other side of it, like, you know, you mentioned Xavier Woods and, you know, maybe Harrison Smith, they're both out, you know, just Cam Bynum, who's their rookie that they, had play a little bit um, th- this season because Harrison Smith is on the COVID list. Like you have one safety. Is that all you're starting over with? I mean, it just feels like there's so many DB questions that they have that that's pro and on top of that, I mean, just like all the other free agents and, and the retooling, which was eventually going to be a big on rebuild with the defense. Like it's, there's a lot of question marks there. Like looking at this roster, it's, it's pretty glaring. It is. Uh, and that's really the reason I had you on here. This is my second off season, season series. It started with the Browns. Uh, the Vikings were right behind them, like a one a in terms of just the most interesting and, and has a chance to have the most movement in my opinion, from a lot of standpoints, uh, I would bet my coffee money tomorrow morning that the number 12 pick in the draft is going to be a defensive back. And I bet you'd agree with that. Yeah. And especially given like where the strengths are of this yeah. draft class that we know right now that, and for the Vikings, what are their biggest needs? Still, it's going to be the offensive line. I feel like we're, we talk about that ad nauseum and it's, it's important because, you know, they need to fix certain parts of that offensive line. They're 27th in pass blocking this year. Like they just have not gotten better, but beyond that, the pass defense is still an issue. And, you know, if there's a DB sitting there when they're picking in the top 15, I think they're, you know, you know, they're just like right there. That seems like the perfect spot where you might be getting a cornerback. Yeah. And look, you know, we talked GM. I'm sure you've had plenty to talk about here with Spielman leaving. Um, actually, let me get your thoughts on that. How has it sure. gone? I mean, we, from a free agent standpoint, I think that's one conversation. And I've done some, some homework on that. It's, it's been fine. I mean, the Kirk Cousins contract was unique. It's kind of groundbreaking, but it certainly didn't set a trend. Right, we're not seeing twenty-eight-year-old quarterbacks hit the free agent market with to get fully guaranteed contracts every year. That's not going to happen anytime soon here. But I'm sitting here looking at just let's just look at the offense. It's what five first rounders, five second rounders. It's all high draft picks, all top one hundred draft picks for the most part, uh, give or take a couple of subs that had to play this year. But it, has it gone well? Was was it a good drafting team over the past half decade or so? 
I think so. I think that Spielman, there's a lot of knocks on his draft strategy and, you know, people want to always talk about, you know, he likes to stockpile those day three picks, which, you know, there's a strategy behind it. He doesn't want to get into a bidding war for college free agents. I understand it. I respect it. The guys who have, you know, fourth through seventh round grades, a lot of times are the same people that you're bidding for in college free agency. So his idea was load up on these guys, get more bites at the apple, so to speak. And, you know, hope that you can swing, swing big with some of them. And and he did, but, you know, as far as like his draft success overall, look at the last couple of years of first round picks, Justin, it's like Justin Jefferson. And then that's kind of it. I mean, Jeff Gladney, you know, for all the off field stuff and he was off the team by his second year because he had a felony domestic, like that's bad. And they say that there were no red flags, but I kind of find that hard to believe. Um, Garrett Bradbury, not panned out. You don't draft centers 18th overall. Like that just doesn't make a whole ton of sense. And they could, you know, I, I highly doubt they're going to be the new GM is going to come in here and pick up his fifth year option. And then you have to think like beyond that too. I mean, Mike Hughes didn't even make it through training camp this year. Like, and then now he's on another team and I'm not saying he's playing great for the Kansas city chiefs and that he's a huge part of why their defense has turned around, but it kind of felt like they gave up on him too quickly and then obviously you can go back before that with you know the Laquan Treadwells um and Matt Khalil like all of these ones over the last couple of years that Rick had been making the, the call for draft picks and, and they just didn't pan out but he hit on he hit on a good number of picks like it, it was honestly like you can look at his whole history and be like yeah those didn't pan out but these did and he's he but he's a general manager who his philosophy is built through the draft. Like they don't want to be, and they usually are not teams that are a team that goes heavy in free agency, unless it's, you know, franchise altering move, like getting the quarterback in 2018. Like you just don't see that many like overpaying for receivers or offensive linemen in free agency, like other teams do. And maybe the new GM comes in here and wants to switch up that strategy because there's only so much you can do and expect immediate success in building from the draft. Like, for every Justin Jefferson you hit on, there's going to be 10 to 20 other draft picks that probably don't yield that same sort of result in in their first, you know, two to four seasons in the NFL. It just is what it is. But I think that Spielman did a good job building this team and stability wise, like of being able to get guys to their second contract and have franchise cornerstone pieces. You can look at this roster right now and, you know, look at a Justin Jefferson and Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter, Brian O'Neill, like those are guys that they build this team around and will be probably pretty important. Um, maybe Hunter's the question mark in there for the next GM coming in to kind of keep that core together and, and continue building. So the cap is ugly right now, but as we know, that's yes. fluid and changes every minute. It's literally my life, but um, new GM comes in, sits down, looks at this roster, looks at this cap table, has the discussions you and I are just having right now, defensive speaking. Um, wants to get this thing to the forefront as quickly as possible, which I, I assume is the plan. I don't think it's a tear down, rip the bandaid off kind of rebuild. Like, you know, mm-hmm. some of these teams have had to do over the years because you're right. There's five, at least five pieces here that I'd start to build around immediately. Um, is the offense going to have to sacrifice in order to re- rebuild this thing on the fly? Is an Adam Thielen going to have to go? Is a piece you like know, that on the big bubble? Question. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, And that's kind of, that goes to the Kirk Cousins conversation because the first question coming in for the new GM is how do we get our cap healthy? How do we get to a spot where, you know, they're projected right now to be 
like 10 and a half million over. So they've got to immediately come in and start thinking, all right, is it, is it Kirk or is it others? Because it's got to be one or the other, if not both. And I think that if we leave the quarterback aside for now, there are plenty of ways that they could get their cap healthy by trading away. Maybe it's an Adam Thielen, a Daniil Hunter, a Harrison Smith. I mean, Adam's contract right now, he has like a $17 million cap hit that, that has to get fixed. And, you know, the guy has has dealt with some injury issues the last couple of years. This year is season was cut short because of the ankle. And we knew that when he, got the extension and you know when he was um in they converted the base to uh, going into 2021 they converted 10 million of the base to a signing bonus to try to help their cap then they're either going to be in that situation with him to restructure yet again or i think that you could probably bring you know something back to yourself by by trading him but you know they've got a good young core of receivers right now i mean kj osborne was a really nice surprise behind justin jefferson and had to play quite a bit this year and then you think about elsewhere, um, you know, we're expecting Irv Smith Jr. to come back next year, you know, and, and be a pivotal part of the passing game. Tyler Conklin filled a nice role doing that this year. Like if you were to move on from Thielen, can you go draft another receiver and, you know, throw him into the mix? And I think the answer is yes, you can. And you can save money while doing it. Um, and there, again, there are other places too where they can cut, but I think Thielen's probably a good place to start is if you're looking at trying to get that number down. Yeah, I have a feeling that the, that Daniel Hunter and, and Adam Thielen are the two kind of casualties here in terms of how this cap has to work. Um, so I have to get to the question, the big question, and it's Kirk Cousins. And I know you're going to get asked this a million times over the next four months. Um, just off the top, where are you with this? Because there's a lot of ways to go here in terms of the contract, either to help Minnesota or just get off of this thing. So where are you with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in 2022? I look at the rest of the league and I say, well, what are your options? Like, what is there, is there a better option than Kirk Cousins? And is it realistic? Because if you're going to trade him, you've got to find a partner that's going to either give you a quarterback back in return. That can be your stopgap guy until you get out of this two, one to two to three year period of a slight rebuild or whatever we want to call it. That ownership doesn't think it's like completely ripping it down to the studs because it's not, but can you do that? Or are you going to have to, you know, kind of hold on to him for one more year? I think you can, I know it sounds ridiculous that that $45 million number, like if he's not going to play ball and restructure, then I think that you could just kind of eat it for one year, keep him around, cut elsewhere and still feel the competitive team. Now I don't say, I'm not saying that competitive means you make the playoffs next year, but it like, you got to realize that offense in Green Bay, that's what it looks like if you don't have a competent quarterback. And Kirk Cousins is more than a competent quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Is he a transcendent quarterback? No. But, and I know people look at the contract and want him to be, just be given the number that he's, that he's being, what he's being paid. But that's just not the case. It's not reality. So we're, you know, arguing kind of with ourselves there. Um, but it's, you know, I would go to Kirk and offer him a short-term extension right. and make it, make it, um, you know, he's never going to take a team friendly deal, but I would not make it so absurd where it looks like the last two that he got where you're like, goodness, like, I mean, it, you just, you handicap yourself to him for a couple more years. Obviously the head coach coming in, it's going to have a say in who his quarterback is. And if that person thinks that Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback and that you can win with him, if you, 
fix other parts of the roster, then you do do the extension and you try to make it a more manageable number. So in three years, we're not back at the same place arguing about, well, what now do we have to do to the roster to try to, to try to work around our quarterback taking, you know, 20, 21.4% of the cap, like, you know, that's a really big problem that they're in. They can trade him though. Like that's the other part of it where I think you'd basically, because no one's going to like, since the, the, the base salary is already fully guaranteed. Nobody's going to like, just take that on as is like, you're going to end up having to, it's going to end up being like the Von Miller situation that Denver and Los Angeles had to work out where you're eating, you're, you're paying for somebody else to be on another roster. Maybe, maybe you can look at it though, as like we paid X, Y, Z, maybe it's 20 million, like in, in what the money would end up being working on the deal to get a first round draft pick. If you believe that that's what you'd be getting in return. That's exactly right. That's the Jared Goff scenario that this has mm-hmm. become the trend and it's, it's right. And you can look at this as he's an expiring contract and that hurts Minnesota. And it does in a way, because look, if you take on that $45 million cap, it, if you pay him the full 35 this year and you play it out, then you become Pittsburgh. Then you become a team that doesn't have that option in 2023. I mean, literally you, you mm-hmm. won't have it. Cause I'm not sure you're getting in, in the draft this year unless, unless they surprise us all with that, you know, mid round pick. But it certainly doesn't look or sound like Kellen Mond is the is the answer, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that, you know, I, I commend them for doing what they did last year in actually using a real draft pick, not a sixth or seventh rounder to get a quarterback. They just picked the wrong one. Yeah. Like, that's the problem where, you know, I, I still think the jury could probably be out on Mond, though, because of just like how how that whole situation went down where he was brought in to be the backup. I don't know if he ever really got a chance, yeah. but he didn't look great. And we, and we knew that he would need a year in an on an NFL team to learn because it, he took him four years to put it all together at A&M. Like we knew that's going in to his rookie season. So maybe, maybe we were surprised by how he looks during mini camp. And you think to yourself during training camp, okay, they, they do have something here, but it never hurts to draft a quarterback, right? Like, you know, I just think that like spend like a legitimate pick on one, not one of these throwaway picks where the guy might be in your practice squad at best. Kirk Cousins and his agent, Mike McCartney, have been kind of very transparent with how they've structured and handled their contract situation. And it's they've done it in a way that's benefited player over team almost every single time. Is he going to be reluctant to take an extension for cap purposes right now because he smells free agency again? He's, his goal is always get to free agency, these short-term two-year extensions, three-year deals, stuff that he did when he first got here. I mean, the guy's made, God, you know, by the time this whole thing's over, it will be near, you know, $196 million in career earnings yeah. because he's played on these short-term deals. And, you know, he's a big, big, big proponent of the franchise tag for that very reason. But, you know, I, I look at his comments that he made the last week of the regular season where twice he was asked about his future and said he wants to be in Minnesota. Um, and in the last, you know, after the Bears game, when he talked about how, you know, if, if you have those conversations, I don't see like why it wouldn't work out. And he wants to be a Viking for the rest of his career. If you're the front office, you say, OK, you said all these things. Here's how we can make it work to actually build around you because we've talked about this before. I mean, he's been here for four seasons and he knows that the cap number and what he's done have has limited what this team is able to do as far as other free agent getting other free agents in. Now, is he willing to play ball a little bit more? I think that you try to push the envelope with him a hundred percent this off season to see if he's willing to 
to do that. And I mean, he did technically take a, a, a re, uh, an extension in 2020 to get their cap number down. It, it, it saved them like 10 million against the cap the Monday before free agency started right. um, when he, when he got his two year, $66 million extension. Could they do something like that? Yes. Does it need to be as astronomical as it's been before? You'd, you'd like to say no, but I mean, honestly, his stats will back will back where the market's going. So I think that I just I caution Vikings fans to brace for something like that in the event that he is going to be here for a while. But again, you have to like go back and say, well, what are our other options? Like, you know, are they are they willing to to sacrifice what it would be next year and maybe, you know, but but like if you keep Kirk on the roster, it's not like you're going to be an awful team that's drafting in the top five. That's right. So you wouldn't necessarily get like a, a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or any of those guys that are coming out in 2023. So like it's purgatory in, in a sense. And you just, you have to make one decision and stick with it. It's either he's on your roster and you're going to extend him. He's on your roster for one year and you take a step back potentially in other areas next year or you trade him. Last question. And I'm going to finish where I started. Does the Aaron Rodgers decision impact how the Minnesota Vikings operate in March? Potentially. I mean, it's just this whole thing is fun watching the coaching search and watching, you know, the, the Broncos interviewing Nathaniel Hackett and uh, the quarterbacks <laughs> coach. And I'm wondering how many conversations are coming up about number 12 in those, in, in those interviews and thinking, okay, well, if he's out of the division, maybe you can afford to kind of be in this like quasi rebuilding process as you're trying to figure it out because you will be undoubtedly the best team in the NFC next year, excuse me, in the NFC North when Aaron Rodgers is gone. Like the bears are a long way away. The lions are still a long way away. And I think the Packers absolutely take a step back. It's not like rocket science. If you're thinking that Jordan loves their guy next year. So that might that might convince them to keep Kirk Cousins around a little bit longer than maybe you would think, but I still, you know, whether it's whether it's this year that Aaron Rodgers is gone or whether he's you know thirty seven years old, like he's going to be gone sooner rather than later. So I would imagine that they're looking at this with the next head coach in mind and thinking, okay, five years out, he's probably not playing anymore unless he does some miraculous stuff like Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And then you are the kings of your division at that point. How do you get there? And what do you do in the meantime with your quarterback who has a $45 million cap hit? And how does that affect you in the short term when you're trying to build for the long term? That's exactly how I see it. I think, and it's silly to, to you know, pin two teams so closely together, but you, it's hard not to divisionally. I think if Aaron Rodgers returns, and that means Devonta Adams returns, and the, you know they keep the mm-hmm. running game in, to, in tow, and a really good defense, which kind of came out of nowhere. I, I think the Vikings can then afford to say, all right, we're going to move Kirk. We're, we're going to clear our cap by moving Kirk and we're going to rebuild the defense this year and next year through the draft and through free agency. And, and as quickly as possible, get that back up to snuff. Uh, we've got the running game so we can win a couple of ball games that way as we need to. But I do think that is a rip the bandaid off moment from a quarterback position. If Rodgers returns, if he leaves, I agree with you, new regime, new coach is going to want to, you know, be able to put, you know, put his stamp down on this legacy quickly you can probably yeah. win that division with nine wins with Kirk. And I, I think that is the right move. Now, you, do you have to extend him at that point? That's the discussion I think we can't answer right now. But I really do think it, it, it hinges on Aaron Rodgers' decision, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's the, the window is there. And I think everyone in the NFC North is eyeing it, just being like, okay, 
where can we be five years from now if Rodgers leaves in 2000, like ahead of the 2022 season? Like, you know, the Bears look at that and have to realistically say, okay, we're still going to be probably like just trying to get to that level where we can say, okay, we can be one of the best teams in the division five years from now because they have so much baggage they have to sift through and figure out with like that because they're you know their story of the offseason is that their window is closed with the defense and they have to start over and they don't have the draft capital to do it and they don't really have the finances to do it the lions might be on the cusp of building something but they need a lot more skill players and probably need to figure out what they're doing at quarterback if they think that jared goff can be a stop gap for another year or if they want to try to go get somebody now the Vikings, again, they're in a good, they're in probably the most favorable spot of any team that just fired its head coach and general manager. Cause 14 of their games this year came by one score. Eight of those games were losses. And what do you do to tip the eight losses that came by one score? Like all these close games, what do you do to tip that in the other direction? Because you, it feels like they're right there. Like they're, they were eight and nine. It's not like they were, you know, two and, two and 15 this year so like they have a lot they can build on it's just what's the first move that that general manager makes when he comes in and it feels like the quarterback is going to be ultimately what decides that it's great stuff thanks so much for joining us this was a pleasure no problem thanks so much my thanks so much to courtney you can check her out at twitter courtney r cronin on espn.com with the minnesota vikings all day, every day, all the time. It's going to be a busy offseason for her as there's a coaching search, a GM search, and possibly a new quarterback search as well. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription. And that'll do it. We'll be back on Wednesday night, Thursday morning with some more NFL offseason stuff. I believe it's a Pittsburgh Steelers offseason. Maybe not, but... <laughs> Um, that's the plan right now, at least that could change, of course, but that's the plan right now is a midweek Pittsburgh Steelers deep dive in terms, in terms of the off season. We're getting closer to the NBA trade deadline. A lot of contract guarantee stuff has kicked in for that. Scott Allen and Keith Smith have both done great work in writing on .com with that. So we will bring that back to the forefront. I've got some major league baseball international, international signing bonus stuff to get to. And of course, Bills fans, I didn't forget about you. We got to talk Josh Allen at some point this week and what he did, what he can do, and what that contract looks like, and just how good it is to be a Bills fan right now. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.